The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to episode 142 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. My name's Corey. My name's Michelle. And I'm Carlos. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Star Wars chat. Let's uh, let's get right into it here. But uh, first, we're going to welcome our new friend, Rick Villanueva, to the Powerful Friend program. Welcome, you. Rick. Yes. Woo. Welcome aboard. What a delightful way to end the week. Got a nice email on Friday mornings. Nice. Way to go. Oh, actually, it was Friday night. So it really was the end of the week. But now uh, Rick has a chance at the Black Series Mimban Trooper, which will be our yes. next giveaway. So and if you be want... careful with your consumption of the Sith Disturbers. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> yeah, Rick, you should, you should team up with someone and tell, come up with after the fact, just kind of say like, oh yeah, by the way, so-and-so suggested me to be a part of this group. <laughs> so you guys can double your chances or triple your chances yeah, just pick your favorite person in the group and then say uh, that, yeah that person referred me oh are you doing <laughs> referral like entries now yeah well it's part of the uh, yeah we've got a promo running it was in the uh, the last newsletter so I, oh I, I you're won't... right I did read that <laughs> <laughs> I, this is what happens when I don't sleep enough oh my goodness see the memorable copy Kyle <laughs> It worked. It worked. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Um, so if everything went well, uh, you should be listening to this via Spreaker as we just completed our migration from Blog Talk Radio over to Spreaker. It was sort of a forced move, our, our third move of the year, hopefully yeah. our last. Although, uh, you know what? Considering we were forced to move this time, who's to say we won't be forced to move again? But that's that's in the past now. And uh, I will figure out later. It's future Kyle's problem to figure out how to get this uploaded. I'm sure that's uh, not going to be a problem. But we are now a proud part of the Spreaker family. Carlos, I think you're already there, right? I am. And uh, you know what? I just got a a flash, a memory of uh, an email coming in that says, now you follow me on Spreaker. You know what's funny? I've been on Spreaker uh, for two and a half years. And in that time, you've had four podcast hosts. Before you actually now you're now you're in the same realm as me. Are, are there any other podcast hosts? <laughs> there are still so many. We haven't. We there haven't, are. Yeah. yeah, Blueberry. Um, so we haven't scratched the surface yet. Not really. No. <laughs> oh God, let's not put that out in the universe. We don't want to change like a no. I don't. Times. I, believe me, I don't, I don't like doing this. You know, the, uh, the, the good first... news is that uh, Apple Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, uh, it didn't overload with all past episodes. So oh, good. I think yeah. that ends up being not I don't want to say random, but there could be I, I bet you somebody will come forward and say, Why did I wake up this morning with a hundred and something episodes in my Oh god, here we go. So I again or I apologize be... for that. I was gonna say it might it might it might happen when you op- upload this one, it'll go back and do the whole feed. Because you didn't upload anything since you changed. Hmm. No, that's that's right. It just it just imported all the previous yeah. episodes. 
Yeah, maybe okay. you're right. We'll see. I don't but know. We'll it, see. Yeah. Anyway, look, the back end of Spreaker looks nice. It looks like it's fairly self-explanatory. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, digging in there and, and moving forward. Better be. <laughs> or what, Corey? Or what? <laughs> I'm not going to listen to our own show anymore. That's it. I have to be user-friendly. You don't even it, listen to yourself speak. Like you, <laughs> you don't listen to the show. Stop lying. And it's not, it's not like there's even anything for you to do. There's nothing for for you to do. It's just oh, the worst case scenario is that all the all the episodes show up again as un as unlistened to, unread. That's the worst case scenario. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know that we switched. As Hopefully. a consumer of my own and your product, I, I feel very inconvenienced. You just like to complain. <laughs> you're you're a product of your time. Uh huh. You know what's funny? It was the delay. <laughs> you guys click back for like 15, 30 seconds. And listen to the delay in Corey's response. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, just, out of, out what? oh, man. Classic Corey. All right. So a couple of things. I got some uh, some communiques from our, from our friends out there. I wanted to read a couple of them here before we get into the news. Um, so this one is from Dave Donovan. And this is commentary regarding our first episode of Into the Garbage Chute, <laughs> which is one of our Patreon exclusives. So Dave writes, Hi Kyle, just writing to thank you for the Ray figure. Oh, sorry. Let me back that up. This is actually from Neil. This is from Neil Lowry, who sent in this wonderful email. He says, Just writing to thank you for the Ray figure and to extend my appreciation to Tumbling Saber for what you do. Your podcast has snuggled into second on my all-time favorites. I'm trying to listen from the start. Oh boy. Just like to hear how you get better and grow as a show. Aww. And it's oh gotten. <laughs> Hold on, wait for it. And it's gotten even greater when Michelle joined. She has her oh. own unique style and fits so well into the show. And Sith Disturbers on the Patreon is great as well. Anyways, may the force be with you to you all. That's from Neil Lowry. How Aww. nice is that? Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Fandom's best friend, Neil Lowry. Seriously. And so this this is from Dave on Into the Garbage Shoot. I broke my <laughs> shit laughing at the title alone. <laughs> Honestly, more of these, please, Kyle. It's nice seeing behind the curtain. So if that's a good tease and you want to learn more, you'll have to become a powerful friend, which is true. If you want to hear, if <laughs> if you want to hear our absolute nonsense, then uh, yep, Patreon's a place to go for that. We've we've just loaded up another uh, another, I guess, family member of the Tumbling Saber. Family of podcasts into the garbage chute. It's it's purely behind the scenes. It's like a blooper look. reel. It's kind of like that, right? People love blooper reels, guys. Uh, yeah, we it's we like got a blooper to... reel, or it's like three hours of any Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Like, do people? Do you listen to a show every day? Mm, it's it's gonna depend. It really depends. Like, usually I, I do. I can't. I couldn't do three hours every day on one show. That's a lot, man. Three hours. Anyway, Dave, thanks for the email, man. We will do more into the garbage shoot. Like I said, it takes about, takes roughly a month to, you know, maybe a month, somewhere around six weeks to piece enough stuff together to put something into the feed worth listening to. I don't, I don't think anybody would, would want six minutes, right? You want at least 20. Anyway, that's the way I see it. 
All right, so let's uh, let's slide into the news here. A little quick thing. Did you guys see the little video of Billy D. Williams getting into shape that he tweeted out? Yes, yes. <laughs> the boxing one. Yeah. It's so badass. Yeah, so, BDW. <laughs> like, so, I love it. So what if Lando shows up in episode episode nine, and that's his role? He like he just punches the first order out. Like one punches Kylo, and he one punches Hux. He digs yeah, up I'm, Snoke, and one punches him. One, one uh, I want my money back. <laughs> I, I will laugh out loud in the theater if Lando just starts punching people, and then we will complain loudly about it on the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it can only mean like one of two things: either he might have a slightly physical role in this, and sense of firing a blaster and maybe taking cover. I don't think he's throwing punches because, man, I really don't like seeing editing like that. Like, like having to. No, no, accommodate no. I, the actor in that. I know regard, what you mean. You know, like, I think this is purely just lose weight, get in shape, get exactly. the vitality up. Yeah, you know, that's and he's is. loving it, man. He's tweeted several things recently about how he's never, he hasn't felt this good in so long. And I'll tell you, man, he was looking good because you yourself, Kyle, can attest to this, having met him not too long ago. That you, you were saying he was looking like he was in pretty rough shape, like not walking so well. Like, well, he still doesn't he looked, walk very. Well. It's funny because you see him punching these these speed bags or whatever, whatever these pads are that he was punching but then like a picture from earlier that day is him in a wheelchair <laughs> so it's like i don't think the legs work so well but uh it's like, resting man i yeah. think he, he just gets tired like uh, i mean he's 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 not a young whippersnapper anymore and like let's be honest i mean you know well you, you gotta you gotta pace yourself i guess at that age conserve yeah. your energy and, and spend it where you need to yeah, so like that's like the trainer was pushing him too. He was just like, yeah. like he's like, I want to get like break. He's like, no, no, give me like a couple more, you know. He's like, just one more, guy. Oh, just one more. He's like, you can do it. Which and then he kept going, which was really inspiring. So I think it's good. And let's not forget his work as the district attorney in Batman 1989. Oh hell yeah, Oh, it was awesome. So Two Face. So you know what? I would actually stand up and cheer. If he punched Kylo out. Yeah, he wouldn't get close enough. Probably not. But uh, he, he might. It's Uncle Wando. Uncle you know Wando. I, mean? I, I yeah, would love to. Like, oh, just punch him right in the right in the mush. Just like fat. Give him a fat lip or a bloody nose. That, that, that would be the end of Lando. Not necessarily. Actually, you know, Kylo could punch. Uncle Wando. Like, I had that one coming. Why did you do that? <laughs> I had that one coming. I'll let you get one, old man. All right, so uh, guys, also noted cinematic failure of the Last Jedi is uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's coughing, y'all! Somebody do a wellness check on Carlos. Anyway, it's it's uh, th- this, I just this... have to mute myself. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, continue to do so, please. <laughs> It's, it, it, it is so far the top-selling Blu-ray of 2018, which I I know Infinity War will soon overtake it. But for a movie that is doing really poorly, um, the fact that it's on top of the list as of August 2018, maybe we're kind of wrong about it being such a failure of a film. This is unacceptable, Kyle. It should be doing much better. <laughs> it shouldn't do well. It should see, do great. Did you see, like, I think it was Jason Ward. He, like, posted... Was it Jason? I can't remember. He posted like the photo, uh, like a uh, clips of, or not clips, screenshots of like conversations he had. Cause like 
that um, ranking list on the side, it has how many weeks it's been on the like the the list yep. for like the top sales, like gross sales. And there is this, these people who are like trying to fight with them like, oh, no, it's different. And it's just like, no, it's he's like, it's just the first week. It's just that week. And they're like, no. It's overall like, can you read? <laughs> it's just well, that's the thing. A lot of a lot of people still, can't read. They don't want to admit the facts. Like they see it right in front of them, and they want to argue. And they're like, "Where's that from? Did you doctor it? Like, come on!" Like every fan has two copies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and lastly, quick little note, Corey um, Henry Gilroy said that Wolf probably went along and executed Order sixty six. How does that make you feel? Commander Wolf? Yeah. He went along with Order 66 and it had his chip removed after the fact. How does that make you feel? In all honesty, probably makes me feel pretty horrible for him as a person having to have lived with that. If he does, in fact, remember what he had done. So, yeah, poor him. <laughs> War as hell, man. Indeed. What about Commander Gree? What happened to Commander Gree? Well, he, he lost his head. Yeah, I was just going to say off with his head. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's jump into the one bit of news that we kept, which is actually from last week. We just didn't get to it. But apparently, speaking of Jason Ward over at MSW, he's got a little rumor going that uh, John Williams is going to be scoring some music for Galaxy's Edge, along with... The guy who did the soundtrack for Rogue One, Mr. Michael Giacchino. Pretty awesome, right? We're not done with the maestro John Williams just yet. I, I like the sound of that. I agree. I think uh, it's, it's nice to, I mean, what this kind of means too is that to me, like if he's scoring new stuff, it means there's going to be a lot of original content in the park, which Good point. could say a lot about the experience too, you know, like they're not going to just recycle old stuff and new themes. So I'm, I'm curious also to, if there is like this new storyline where possibly you get swept up in, uh, is it going to be considered canon? You know what I mean? Like, and just like the article says as well, like any John Williams is good on John Williams and his career is coming to an end with Star Wars. He's pretty much said it himself. So let's get something cemented here, like in real time. Cause when we have to pay to play that amount of money, you know what I mean? Like let's, yeah, got to have some John Williams in that place. Just the, the heart and soul, man. It's funny, though, because I, I would not have batted an eyelash if they just played existing Star Wars music. I'd been like, yeah, this is totally what I expected. I, I really did not expect them to score original music for the theme park. I, I'm not complaining whatsoever, but it, it I this did take me by surprise. Uh, so uh, let me ask you this, then. If, if this is a collaboration with John Williams and Michael Giacchino... Do we want to read any deeper into this and, and think that this is Michael Giacchino having an inside track on being the next guy? Ooh. Well, I, I think definitely you said it, but now uh makes sense. Well, I think even the article had mentioned like the, and it's true. We've discussed this many times before, just the, the amount of pressure he must have been under to get this film done in such a short amount of time and what he came up with, like a lot of people, it's even their favorite soundtrack to star Wars. But to me, it's that time factor, that time crunch and the creative genius that he came up with in that short time frame. Like definitely tells me that he knows what he's doing in regards to star Wars. 
Especially considering considering how busy he was when he took True. that on as well. So clearly he knows how to multitask. He knows how to work quickly with a team that he's coming into. And I think also it's just really cool. And I have a feeling that some of the music might be for probably, you know, um, places like uh, one of the rest, like some of the restaurants they're going to have there, they're probably going to score some new music for those places. If they're trying to create like a certain vibe. Yes. Um, true. Cause you know how like in Disney, like they have a Disneyland and California adventure and all have, the different I places. I have no idea. They have I've, I've all never these been there. Different... <laughs> never oh, you been. haven't? Never. Well, like each restaurant is very like specific in terms of their theme and what part of the park they're going to be in. Like, since it's Disney, I have a feeling they're going to kind of separate it in different lands. Like here you go here and their whole landscape is going to be like a certain maybe like planet type landscape. I don't know. This is just me spitballing. No, I kind of get what you're saying too. Like in a sense that like, you know, if we're in a cantina, we get that general cantina theme that yeah. makes us feel like comfortable kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, and you like, can't play a cantina band on a loop, I guess, all day long. Oh, I so, feel like people would get go crazy <laughs> but yeah that's pretty cool yeah. I, I i like that and, and I, I i couldn't help but let my brain wander down that rabbit hole for michael giacchino like is are, are they really talking to this guy about more than just scoring for this for galaxy's edge i don't know i i, I think there could be something to that anyway Corey, yeah. i was really rude before and I, I skipped right over our collecting update did you have anything you wanted to share this week hey that's pretty cool actually i did get a little something cool again nothing star wars related but totally worthy you, you you'll agree i'm sure because i think i don't know if it was an exclusive or not but uh anyway it's it's the phantasm from mask of the phantasm huh. it was just one on the shelves over at that videotron in uh Vaudreuil. anyway yeah I just couldn't uh, couldn't turn away from that one. I was just like, yeah, this this is the one. After looking after after looking at thousands of them, I was like, it's the one. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, they, have, they have a lot of they have a lot of cool stuff in there. It's more of a toy store than video store now. Yep, it's interesting what they did there. And I think that's that's one of the f- few uh, Super Club Videotron stores left. They've they're all going up now. Yeah, roll with the times, man. Actually, there's there's one uh, in Valleyfield, which means nothing to everybody listening. Uh, they they're still wearing signage outside their store from, I want to say the mid '90s. It's it's hilarious. I can't believe that that signage is still up. It's kind of sad to think that you'll never pick another little octagonal Velcro disc <laughs> off a shelf or octagonal, octagonal, whatever, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. You know what I meant. <sighs> uh, anybody else, Carlos or Michelle, anything in the collecting front? Um, I bought, I don't know if I said this on the show yet, but I bought the uh, Star Wars Lost Stars graphic novel and I read it yesterday. I finished it and I'm literally like, when is the second volume going to come out? Because I need it now. I'm obsessed with the story. And it's amazing. Also, uh, Neil sent me a poster and I got it. It's the um, cover of Queen's 
I'm sorry, I'm yawning. <laughs> it's the Padme cover uh, for uh, Queen's Apprentice. Wait, no, Master and Apprentice, Queen's Shadow. Yeah, cool. Oh my god, my brain. Yeah, That's it's really rad. cute, and I'm looking for a frame for it so I can hang it. Very nice. Well, that's that's more than I got. Uh, Carlos, anything? Uh, no. The things that I collect cannot be shared with on the podcast. Ooh, sp- <laughs> spores, molds, and fungus. <laughs> no, I definitely, I, I definitely share that. L e g o. No. <laughs> L- <laughs> what are you talking about? L e g. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Nothing for me, but I, I am seeing uh, images now from some Canadian collectors who are bragging about getting their hands on second wave, the vintage collection figures. So I'm going to keep my eyes peeled from now on. Corey, I instruct you to do the same. If you see anything local, you are to A, inform me before you leave the store because you have a really bad habit of telling me, hey, this thing's there. Are you still there? No, I left like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> the purpose. Uh, are there four in this wave or six? This wave has four. Uh, off the top of my head, it's I think it's a tank driver from Rogue One, a Death Trooper, Emphis Young Han Solo, Solo, and Enfys Nest. Yeah. Yeah. But the third wave, I'm I'm already seeing images of the third wave, and that is incredible as well. I only know that Jedi Master Luke is in that wave, but. Ah, there's more. There's some, some cool stuff there as well, but this, this line is blowing me away. Anyway, that that's it for our collecting update, which I almost missed. So what we'll do now is we have all we have a ton of, of listener interactions, and I can't wait to get to these. But first, we're gonna take a little break, and then you're gonna hear the voice of Matthew Salvatore. So uh, hang around, and we're gonna be right back. Hey, what's up, Templing Saber? It's Matt Salvatore, so I thought I'd send in a question this week. Uh, my question has to do with Episode 9. As we're all getting ready and speculating about what's to come, I was actually thinking about um, something The Last Jedi set up, which was the um, the balance of the Force. And uh, Snoke made that line... Um, light rises to meet it. So, when Episode 9 comes out, we're looking at... I guess essentially Kylo and Rey balancing the Force. Now, um, episode nine, a lot's been thrown out that Kylo might be redeemed or Kylo's gonna die. But either way, that unbalances the Force. If, if, if the Force is balanced by, uh, one dark side and one light side balancing out the Force, if Kylo's redeemed, the Force becomes unbalanced. If Kylo was killed, again, the Force becomes unbalanced. So the only way Episode Nine technically um, between Jedi and Sith could end is either if both Rey and Kylo die or um, Kylo remains a dark side user and Rey remains a light side. Um, and even still, it kind of seems as though um, something more needs to happen with the force uh if if the trilogy is going to wrap up and we're never going to get uh, episode 10 then i think there should be um a finality to the force uh especially in a conclusion that could wrap the skywalker saga up anyway uh was would love to get your guys' thoughts on the balance of the force um 
loving the stuff you guys are doing. Uh, keep it up. Uh, may the force be with you. Bye. And there goes Matt. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the kind words. So, guys, this is, this is one of those questions, the balance of the force. I think we have to check ourselves so that we don't go around for two hours on this one question. Um, so, how will Episode 9 handle the whole issue of balance of the force regarding Kylo and Rey? How's that all going to work, Corey? Uh, well, Sir Salvatore. Um, it's... It's a really interesting question. Like I, I, I can't agree disagree too much with what he's saying. In all honesty, like, but the first part actually, I can't remember where this is from, but I'm, I can almost, I'm almost like ninety nine percent sure that Lucas can go on record as saying something along the lines of like, just because there's like the light and the dark, um, like basically when things are at peace, it doesn't mean that like peace is kind of balance. It's it's more or less when the the dark arises as, is that there's a problem, or that everything's become out of balance. So, uh, I don't know what that can mean for our heroes. Anyway, in this, like, I could see them maybe at the end of this film, like, kind of just moving forward with with that. Like, the heroes kind of just win, and that's that. That kind of seems a bit boring, but I think it really has to do again with what he's saying with Kylo and Ray. It has to be. And whether it's his redemption or not, like, it very, like let's just say it is his redemption. Like, like, like Leia's involved. Like, there's so many things that can come up in this, and he can realize at a point that okay, like I've been a major douche. Like the the error of my ways have gone too far. Like I am, I have done wrong, and I, yeah, like I've realized. It seems like a bit cliche, like the sacrifice. But if he does like realize, then. You know, I'd still buy it, but again, that seems a little bit of a cop out. It seems again a bit cliche. Uh, what I really like is like, what's the MacGuffin about this? Like, is it just going to be like war? Like, okay, the resistance and this, let's just stomp them out. Like, there's got to be some kind of MacGuffin, and I think Matthew slightly touched upon it as well in the sense that let's have some like shared visions or something. You know, like where. Kylo and Rey are still connected in a sense and like throughout the film they, they know at this one point things are going to come to a head and the culmination of everything is at this point kind of you know what I mean so like I think that could be a, a cool way to exit it but uh, I've said it many times before as well like Matthew had said like possibly they both have to sacrifice themselves like who knows what's going to happen if they hold hands in, in real life like together, you know. No. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe they need to, to to heal the fractured force. And like again, Kylo has to come around. It's not like for his own means. Like he has to realize like what's happening is going to cause like a rift forever. Whatever the the MacGuffin is or something like they have to repair it together. And at this point, I almost kind of think that their fates are intertwined. Kind of like. Harry Potter style with like Voldemort and Harry in a way like they seem so connected that like whatever happens it has to be the both of them kind of hmm that's dark Michelle can you add to that I really love what you just said about like the Harry Voldemort thing like that is really interesting to me I think that would be cool I don't know it's I like, I don't know, I kind of really like dark stuff, so I I think it's cool. I think, honestly, like, for me, 
I, I kind of echo Kyle a little bit in terms of, you know, the piece being balanced. And I think in terms of just everything in general in life, I think things that happen always kind of regress back to the mean. If we have progress in one way, it always kinds of kind of swings back and kind of evens out in the middle. And I think a lot of things in life are like that and even in stories. So I think in terms of the light side and the dark side, I like these films are to, they kind of, these sequel films also kind of redraw the line between what is what is considered light and dark it's should it be the same as it was before or should it change and to add some gray area um and i think you know i i don't think that just because i don't think it has to be one or the other like i don't think if kylo dies and there's going to be this insane vacuum in the source in in the force um because when I understand, like when Vader died, it wasn't a vacuum and sure he was redeemed. So we could say that he wasn't technically on the dark side anymore, but you know, there was no vacuum. It just kind of like went back to the piece and then, I don't know, it's war. I don't, it's just. This, this is and like, I also yeah, this think- one's like peeling an onion or trying to un- unravel a, a ball of yarn. Well, yeah, regardless, think- like. In regards to the film, like the film, we know it's the end of this saga, man. Like it's got to have some real emotional resonance here. Like it's not just going to be like, okay, like that's the battle. Like there's got to be like, I like what Matthew said, closure, like that just something that's really going to grab us and be like, no, we don't want that. But it's kind of what needs to be done. Like just picture Kylo being like, I'm sorry. And I don't know if that's enough though. Like he made conscious choices and I read something or watched something recently where someone was saying, um, I mean, it's not like they were saying like uh, how Kylo had a lot more chances than Vader did in his storyline to kind of opportunities where Ray was like, Hey, come like help, like let's stop doing stop. It's not what you're, what you think the order is, is not what it is. And she gave him all these like, bigger chances to kind of change his perspective but he chose he made the conscious choice to stay so I thought like even though I hadn't thought of it in that context before I thought what that person said was was kind of powerful and it made me think about you know him in terms of his character and I don't know like, like he's greedy and power hungry yeah like I don't think that saying I'm sorry at this point is going to be enough. Like, I think he needs to lose something like in order to be redeemed, he has to sacrifice something of his own. Sacrifice a limb before it all happens. I mean, I don't know if that's enough, but like maybe (laughs) I, I mean, I feel like that's a little heavy and like the repetitive, like imagery. Cause like Darth Vader, then like Luke and then now Kylo, like do everyone need to lose an arm? Like really? <laughs> well, but, I, like, I want to see if I want to get Carlos's take on this one. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the question and uh, where he talks about the balance of the force. Like where did we first hear this? The answer is at the beginning of episode seven with Lord, Lord Santeca, who said without the Jedi, there could be no balance in the force. And 
that's where the idea comes from. Now, what Matt is bringing up is Snoke talking about darkness rises and the light to meet it. Now, you're taking the word of a manipulator. And uh, now we know for a fact that the Sith don't lie. They, they, they tell the truth. But a Snoke Sith, I don't know if he, he applies by those same rules. Um, but when it comes to the actual question itself, um, it, it, how will episode nine handle the whole issue of the balance of the force? I don't have a good answer for you, Matt. The answer is it's in the hands of JJ Abrams. So we don't know how episode nine is going to handle it. And we don't know if we're ever going to get resolution to that question, but my gut tells me that there is no resolution because as uh, Michelle stated, as Corey stated, um, when Vader died, there was no vacuum. There was the balance. only reason there was balance and balance is, I, I don't, I don't know exactly who said the, the, the phrase balance is peace or peace is balance, but I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think that's. I think more... even Lucas said that, man. I, I did. I interrupt you when you spoke for seventeen Jesus minutes. God. Did I? <laughs> this guy. I was quiet. Anyways, um, yeah. So I'm I'm in the I'm I'm in that camp where I don't believe that if Kylo dies, then somebody has to rise to take his place. I think it's about and Lord Santeca said it that there can be no balance without the Jedi. He didn't say there could be no balance without the Sith. I think he understands that the Jedi are um, not the tool or the arm of the force uh, to keep people in check, but it just happens to be that way. But that, that, yeah, that echoes into something Luke said to Ray in that if, if the Jedi, oh, I don't remember the quote, but if the Jedi disappear, like the light will still be there when he tells yes, her like, exactly. uh, the, the, the whole vanity thing. And he says, yeah, the force does not belong to the Jedi. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that the, the Jedi have like a a more a respect for both the light and the dark, whereas the dark side they kind of they no, they the, don't, the Corey. Route. They don't. There's six movies telling you the opposite of what you just said. Yeah, but like you just you just said it yourself. Like Lord Santeca said it. There can be no balance without the Jedi. So like the, I, I understand. Like, there, look, he's a character that we know nothing about. <laughs> but the the reason why I brought it up is because it was important enough to be in the first 35 seconds of the movie. J.J. Abrams put it there for a reason. Well, let's just say the, the Jedi. I, I would like. I like to assume that at one point Obi Wan was wrong. Yes, Yoda Jedi, was wrong. Mace Windu was wrong. Uh, Qui Gon was Jedi. more right than those other guys, but he was still wrong. They were all wrong. Yeah, but the Jedi have been around for twenty thousand years. Like we've talked about this many times. Like the I don't Jedi, know them. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, like the Jedi that we know, we talk about all the time. Yes, they 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 say it themselves. They were ignorant. It's, I can't believe it was even brought up in this film. Like I was in shock when Luke says it like that. How ignorant they were and stuff. I was like, damn, they talking about the prequels, and like to to paint it in that light too, kind of makes the film that much better. But like the the Jedi of of past or times, or or it makes it a lot worse. Meh. Either way, the Jedi <laughs> of past times. I I feel like there was one a group of them that at one point did have it kind of the balance kind of, you know, like respecting the light and the dark, the kind of the way Luke was trying to teach Ray of both so you're talking, sides. You're talking old school theoretical stuff that we've never seen before. 
yeah, like like the the text, the ancient text, possibly. You know, like mm, Luke seems possibly. to get his hands on them. Like, he seemed to change Jedi, like the, the way the grass was growing and the underneath, like that scene that Kyle didn't like, where you see the skeletons underground, like just explaining the balance, man. The Matt Geo, the the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the documentary, documentary. channel part. <laughs> yeah, like I've uh, never believed in the whole, um, you know, numerical balance. Like, oh, if you have a light side user, then you got to have the dark side user. It's I I, I felt always felt like it was. At least no, that's Snoke's framing, right? That's his framing of it, but that's not really what's going on, I think. Yeah, because like once at the end of Jedi, uh, like Luke says in in, in um, the Last Jedi, that at the end of the of, of the war, the Galactic Civil War, there was balance for a time, but Luke was really the only le- the last guy standing. Like Snoke was in the background somewhere pulling some strings, but really it was Luke and him training his his force adepts and Leia had her, her latent abilities. Um, so yeah, I mean like really, I always saw like the Jedi, at least in their original intent, were not there to sort of pump up the light side, but more as like, just to stay out of the way. Don't try to influence it one way or the other. Yes. Like I think they were supposed to just feel the force, use it when they had to, but not try to influence it. I think that was supposed to be the, original intent but then like both sides would try to you know by the time we got to the prequels really inf- like really trying to bend the force to their own will to their own personal will and like something and, and- something mace windu had said like we're keepers of the peace not soldiers like i yep. think i think that was the that's sort of the last thing that he says that made any sense <laughs> that's like he understands that the jedi are not supposed to be they're fighting. They're supposed to keep the peace, which means kind of be neutral, stand aside, and let the will of the Force exert itself. But that's that's not what the prequel Jedi did. They got sucked in, and uh, like Amy Ratliff tweeted something last week, which which is con- like convenient considering uh, the timing of this question. Uh, the Clone Wars were the perfect Jedi trap. By fighting it all, the Jedi lost, and that's a line that she had uh, she brought up from the Return of the Sith novelization, and it ties perfectly into this co- conversation, like. It nullifies the idea that each side must have the same number of users and promotes the idea of how how one person or one group uses the force that really matters. That, that was my, that's kind of my take on the the high level part of of how the force yeah. is balanced. But like, reg- well, they, they 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 recognize it too, though. Like having watched the Clone Wars like back to back, like Yoda tells them like time and time again, like we're in the web of a Sith Lord. Like we just got to kind of play his game and roll to punches. Yeah. So anyway, in thinking about Rey and Kylo, like I, I'm trying to stay out of like my own bias out of this, but I don't think Kylo can stick around. Like he's got to go, and I, I don't know if that means Ben has to die as well. But I, like I see Rey as the perfect vessel or perfect person to stand alone at the end of Episode Nine and be that person that just kind of lets the Force wash over her, and she can guard the balance. Because I, she, I think, I don't know if they really hit on it hard enough yet. But I think she she gets it. <laughs> like we've seen her get drawn to the dark in in the Last Jedi when Luke was all spooked by her. You went right to the dark, and it but it didn't even affect her. It's like she nope. just let it pass over her. And in the Force Awakens and the Forest battle, like that 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 shot of her where it looks like she's just she wants to just carve Kylo up once she's lifting down. rocks. Like it just it I I see her as the per like the one person that 
can actually stand stand there and let the will of the force balance itself and she won't try to bend it one way or the other look nobody wants to admit this okay it's hard to admit but we had balance for a long time we had balance for 14 years and everything got thrown out of balance when yub nub was scrubbed from <laughs> return of the jedi okay so hashtag bring back yub nub hashtag make yub nub great again hashtag <laughs> yub nub make, make yub nub canon <laughs> But I, I have to like say something about like what Carlos was mentioning earlier, like saying that yep, it was no. like no the Snoke and mirrors kind of thing, where he was telling like the dark rises and the light to meet it, and he's loving it. But like me, I personally do believe in that. Like I, I do believe that, that like the Jedi again, like they keep maintain that balance, kind of stay out of the way. Like Kyle said, that's the balance, right? So if the dark side starts taking over everything, the Force will take action, kind of in light will rise to meet it like i don't think he's just kind of blowing smoke up his butt you know i think at the end of the day this topic is sufficiently muddy no matter what angle you take that if you want they can do whatever the hell they want so yes maybe they'll give us resolution at the end of episode nine but like i've said a million times if they want to reopen this can of worms they're just going to do it and it's very easy for them to say here's how the balance fell like fell out of favor here's how the the scales tipped too far to one side and this person came along as a result, and now it's war. Like they, some they, dude they in they a gold robe. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's that's the easy explanation now. Like when Luke says, "Oh yeah, after we after we won, after we defeated the Empire, we had balance." And the the easy retcon to that is, well, Snoke was in the background in some other part of the galaxy where he couldn't be felt, and he was manipulating the dark side to his own ends. And along he came and everything went to hell. That's the easy way to, to do it. And that's the way they could do it again. Just somebody comes along and blows the whole damn thing up. So I, I, I don't think like the resolution will be nice when we get it. If. But yeah, if, but I, I, again, I don't, I don't know that uh, that's necessarily going to be the, the, the final word in the saga, even though they tell us, they've told us exactly that. All right. Uh, anything else on this one? Either way, if they do go down that route, which and I hope they do, it's got to have something to do with Kylo and Rey. Like, oh, for gotta. sure. I mean, of course. I mean, they're, they're the last two Force users. They're the ones that have to work this thing out. Yeah, just their connection, though, too, man. It's it's more than we've ever seen before, and their power as well is quite extraordinary. Sure, Absolutely. Anyway, Matthew, thank you again for the kind words. Thank you for the question. It was it was a great one. We had this. I've been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks, but uh, glad to finally air this one out. And I definitely want to hear the takes of you guys out there because this is a topic that probably has a lot of valid takes from a lot of people. So let us have it. All right, so let's move on to Gundark 2000. Mike Russo's in with a question this week. I'll read this one. Hey guys, I can't remember if this was brought up before or not, but something just occurred to me. In recent conversations about Broomboy telling the Battle of Crate story to his friends, and that it must have been sometime afterwards, otherwise how would he know? What if he saw it through the Force and then told his friends, or he felt it through the Force and told the story in real time to his friends as it happened? What do you think? Can I go first here? Sure. So uh, I just want to make it clear that uh, Broomboy wasn't telling the Battle of Crate. 
it was the other guy. Yeah, it was a little African American kid, right? Yeah, exactly. So there was uh, Room Boy was just listening to the story, and maybe what happened was he used the force because he was inspired by what he heard. Uh, but I don't think he saw it through the force, or I think it's just his. He he was just told the story. Yeah, I, well, this is something I've always wondered, along with Mike, and I'm sure a lot of other people. How did these kids learn of Luke's feet on on crate? How did he do that? Like, I because I, I don't see any evidence of a time jump that would have allowed news to filter across the galaxy. Like the kids look exactly the same as when we left them. There's no growth exactly. there whatsoever. Like there's. There was no CNN or Fox trucks on crate filming this whole thing and telling everybody what, what was going on. And like Canto Bites kind of described to us as a planet removed from the galaxy's problems. So how did the kids get that message? I have no clue. So you think they read the novelization? <laughs> Spaceball style. They're reading it in the future. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe like in reading the the propaganda book by Pablo Hidalgo maybe it's something like that maybe in the aftermath of that fight the resistance started sending out these like pirate radio messages across the galaxy mm. saying Luke Skywalker did this and maybe those kids heard something on like a little ham radio that they've got in their little father stalls maybe it's something as simple as that or maybe like Mike said maybe these kids are all force sensitive and they've all heard the story or have all felt the story because I that's it's that's a mystery to me. I don't know how these kids know of, of, about what Luke did in su- in what I assume is in the Im- immediate aftermath of Battle of Crate. Michelle, where do you land on this one? Um, I think that I I really like I like the the idea of like whether or not, regardless of who the kid was who told the story, I think. Um, I like the concept of them, the kids feeling it through the force or like, I don't know, something like, I feel like, um, when you said ham radio, it kind of reminded me of supernatural's angel radio, like all the angels can like broadcast to each other, um, something that's important for them to know. So I kind of like that, the concept, I don't know, the imagery of like, tuning into a ham radio of their brain even i don't know that's how i read it but i think regular ham radio do they even have ham radios i would like to see what the galaxy's version of a ham radio is but um i think that it's in keeping with the theme of ray being kind of like this quote unquote like natural force talent in the sense of you don't have to be from a prominent family to be able to have a strong bond with the force. So I feel like this um, kind of perspective on the kids would be in keeping with like the theme of that, where it's just like, you don't have to be from this prominent family, you know, the force lives within you and whether or not you can tap into that isn't beholden to who you came from and I think that that's a huge theme in this well I don't know what's going to happen in the next film because I really hope they don't change it but you know JJ has said that originally he wanted Ray's parents to be someone apparently so um, hopefully it doesn't change but I think it's in keeping with that kind of idea thematically so if that's true then I think that would be cool because I feel like that whole sequence is kind of like a backdoor pilot almost 
where it could potentially kind of spin off into its own thing in the future, or if it's just kind of like them inspiring the next generation of potential force users who tap into that innate thing that's kind of latent in you. Because the force is in everything and everything's in the force. So, you know, maybe it did inspire them to kind of try to look within them and tap into that. Because I feel like kids will be more... I feel like kids would be able to kind of tap into things that like adults kind of lose over time when they grow up, you know? So yeah, I the ability like, to see ghosts. Yeah. Or, and believe in or Santa like, Claus. Yeah. Just yeah, like you have this kids strong listen to the show here. Um, <laughs> He's real. You know? I'm just saying kids, kids it's, are it's more kind of like how easily believe even just in real life, like when you teach kids, like they always say, if you're going to teach kids multiple languages, do it while they're young because their brains are like sponges. And I feel like it's kind of the same way almost like kids have this natural ability to when you're put in, when you're kind of placed into these ideas or learning things, they're able to kind of tap into things that it's harder to do when you start growing older and you start learning more things, if that makes sense. Yeah. You become more more full of bunk info and it's hard to sort it all out, but kids, kids are not weighed down by that. Go ahead. Look at Anakin, man. Like I'm going to build a pod racer and build a droid. Like, he was just following his intuition, you know what I mean? Like, I'm the only human can, that can do this. <laughs> like, there's nothing weird about that, right? So where, where do you fall on this, Corey? What about uh, these kids? Dude, this is a huge part of my headcanon, man. Like, huge. Like, I, I like the, the premise, but I, I honestly do not think it's that. Like, Dave Donovan is the first one that had mentioned it to me because, I don't know about you guys, but first viewing of the last shot I like this is something like after everything that we had just absorbed it kind of flew over my head I was just like yay like kids playing with toys broom boy yay and but after like speaking about it, everyone's talking about the film after and this and that and then you say like how did he know like so it's such an interesting question like to me like my head canon is yes there has been somewhat of a time jump even though we don't this is our indication to that to me this is my head cannon again. Like there's nothing confirmed to that, but uh, it's just that there's something that happened. Like everyone's kind of got their ear to the ground during these, these times of uh, it's dire times kind of for the whole galaxy. Like people know the first order. They know of this plight of the resistance, what happened to the re- new Republic. So like these things hopefully will spread. And I, that was really Luke's plan in the long run. To me, it looks like Cantle Bites business as usual after, like, you know, uh, Finn and Rose kind of just destroyed it. So the kids are back to doing their job in the stables. They they got more fathers or whatever it is or heard of them back. But again, it's the whole legend of Luke not only remains intact, it's it's that spark. Like Leia had given up. He comes back. And everything's just been ignited, not only within the resistance, but throughout the whole galaxy. So, like, the masses of people, like, uh, they're hearing this and hope is spreading again. And that's a big part of what this movie is to me. Like, Luke's act kind of is portrayed here. And like Michelle said again, like, Broom Boy showing that, you know, there's this new generation, this new hope kind of again. You know, like, it's, it's all full circle, man. Wait, because I, I, I feel like the kids on Canto Bite are the only people that know. 
Like I, all the people partying upstairs in the casinos, they don't know. They're clueless. They have. They, this is not something they give. I don't a think rip they about. care. Because I think, point, it, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's one step further, and it's not just that they don't know. I think it's just that they don't care. Like they don't care to know because it's they don't give a shit. Yeah, like first of all, it's like they produce the weapons for these wars, and second of all, like the odds against it, there's how many people left. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, let's fill the Millennium Falcon up with some porgs and stuff and get out of here. Like, yeah, the, Roman, the, the Romans didn't care about the, the the Romans didn't care about the stories that the uh, the cultist Christians were telling each other in dark corners. But eventually what that does is that it, it creates what it's meant to create in this universe, which is uh, a new uprising. Right. That's that's the whole point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also similar to Moses parting the Red Sea and the Jews, Jewish people leaving. Like it's it. There's these big, huge kind of ideas that repeat and recur throughout history in that way. So, and also they were saying like the whole point with the people at Cantobite is that their business is war. You can't get that rich without playing both sides. So for them, it's just like what's going to make them the most money. Oh yeah, they because by, really paying, DJ, by playing bo- both sides, you're 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 um, you're dragging out the conflict. Because yeah, if everybody, exactly. everybody, if only one side was getting all the weapons, then the fight would be over pretty quick. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard this last week, but these warmongers, these arms dealers, they could not have been very happy with the first order when they blow up Hosnian Prime. They're just like, "Hey, you you destroyed half my customer base, guys!" <laughs> like. Pump the brakes a little bit, Dan. Come on, <laughs> like that's that's half my market in one fell swoop. It was that's maybe also, that's also the answer to my question for Dave's questions later. <laughs> so, well, the, don't just tell them after like we'll we'll double our, our or whatever double our our funding to you. You know. Oh, by the way, uh, quick uh, quick fact, uh, Star Wars fact: the the ham radio uh, in the Star Wars universe was created by uh, Doctor uh, Ezevan. <laughs> really. <laughs> The little Gillette one? No, oh, he's pig face, ham radio, pig, ham. Come on, fuck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or the Gamorrean guards could have pioneered one, or the Ugnaughts. That would have been good too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so final answers here. How do we think the kids know? Really quickly. Time here. jump. <clears throat> time jump. Oh, you're going time jump? Luke's epicness and the hope. Is the reignition. Even- no, they definitely heard it. I think uh, they, they, I'm sure they have slaves coming in and out of their out of the stables. Uh, stories passed around. Yeah, so, that's it again. Uh, being let's, at let's say I'm six with, months. I'm let's with, say I'm with Carlos because especially with um, slave culture, like they talk about how they used to sing and tell stories, and I feel like yep. being a part of that, like they would hear it, and that's how they pass their story on historically. So I feel like taking that into consideration and. I think that that seems accurate. I would I, it would be really cool if it was a force thing, um, but I feel like that seems more accurate. It also could just be them like overhearing. Like again, they're working at Canto Bite. Like for sure, these people are talking about the topic. You know what I mean? Like you got, Kyle just mentioned it. Like half our customer base is gone. Like whatever. The, it's like the the talk of the galaxy. Like everyone's probably talking about that event. You know? Like well, I, I also Kyle, feel like it's, Kyle, it's... Kyle's like I didn't want that that footage to leak. The, the first story in the Legends of Luke Skywalker book is pretty much exactly this. It's a, it's some kind of freighter or 
junk ship. It's heading to Canto Bight. It's full of little kids. And they're sharing a, a legendary story about Luke Skywalker that they've heard. And I, I, I don't think the kids on that ship are the kids we see on Canto Bight. But the spirit is the same exact thing. It's they've they've heard a story, and they're sharing it with one another because that's what you do to pass time and pass legends. That's yeah. That's that's kind of my take on that. And uh, yeah, legend man. Resistance propaganda, getting the word out. Because the first order would have come not said a, said a peep about this. Oh no, they absolutely would have said nothing about this. The the way they would have painted it was. Uh, terrorist Luke Skywalker, you know, did this X, Y, Z. Even though Luke really didn't do anything, unless unless Hux is just trying to badmouth Kylo and and set set him off by having the story leak, like Kellyanne Conway is doing right now in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, leaker, uh, leaker. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I I think. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, my read on this. Resistance propaganda, the kids pick up on it and they start sharing a story with each other. And and Broom Boy specifically says, "Hey, this this thing that Luke's doing, I kind of feel that thing too." So maybe I'll, maybe I'll lean into this a little bit. Dude, I don't think it's propaganda is the right title for that. Like it's, it's not definitely propaganda. propaganda. Of course it is. Dude, it happened. Propaganda it's doesn't real. have to be bad or good. It's just what it is. No, it's just it's just, you know, stories and things that people say in times of war where they're talking about, you know, sides and things that they nah. want to do. Nah. The story of Captain America when he saved uh, those 400 prisoners from behind enemy lines. But don't forget, guys, Corey is the expert at arguing with canon because it doesn't fit his canon. He's he's the expert at it. So I could give him my propaganda book, which has propaganda from both the Rebellion, the Republic, the Empire, First Order... And he'd say, no, that's propaganda, but that's not. But it, the whole book is propaganda. It's because he, he's propaganda propaganda is supposed to paint the propaganda. opposite side in a bad light. But what? The, no, it isn't. Actual events? No? No, it's not. No. It's, it's basically like there's an event, for example, right? And then propaganda is each side who's involved with the event. It's their take on what happened. Exactly. And they're telling everybody that this is the truth. This is what you need to believe. Ignore them. They're lying. That's fake news. Like, don't listen. Yeah, but to it's them. biased That's... information. Like, I don't think it what is biased this... information. But I don't think the the rebellion's really being like, well, let's spice this up a little and no, add something. The rebellion... so they're telling the truth. Le- Leah, Leah's uh, her whole call was to use my personal code. We need to get people to our side. That's what they do. That's that's the whole point of propaganda. What they used to have a uh, little. Uh, clips before the movie started at, at the movie theater during the war just to 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 get people to enlist to get people to donate money whether the cause is just or unjust uh, at the propaganda right is the it act. says the definition says derogatory information especially of a biased or misleading nature no but that's, that's also like the person's interpretation of that because if i have different values from someone who believes Webster's something completely opposite from me <laughs> then their values, like they would, someone who has completely different values from me would think what I'm saying is propaganda. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're a first, you know o- first I mean? order it's supporter. From point of view. Yeah. If you're a first yeah, but order it's, supporter. It's misleading then... or biased. What Luke did and the kids were doing happened. But you're operating from a place of your own moral compass. What you believe is moral and true and just. Not everyone has the same definition of that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's 
Yeah, that that's kind of skewed. Like you can be like, oh, well, Kyle is the good guy. Like he just wants some uh, some order and control. I mean, it's all, it's a battle yeah, of hearts and minds. All you're trying to do is influence people. Is different. You're just trying to influence people's thoughts and feelings from and a, getting them to from to a biased standpoint. Like I don't know. I, I just don't find like what those. Yeah, I think what those kids were doing was innocent. No, but what just because it's it's a it's from a biased standpoint. It doesn't mean that good people don't use propaganda, Corey. That's not what I said either. <laughs> Look, propaganda is a form of communication. Okay, it's it's the way you distribute the information. Some people are gonna say, "Oh, look at what Luke Skywalker did. He aided and abetted terrorists from uh, whatever." And then the other guys are gonna say, uh, "Luke Skywalker came and took took on the whole order by him, the whole first order by himself." Yeah, Both the, are the, true. The, the rebellion could say, "Pick up your blaster and come join the fight against tyranny. Fight the yes. empire." That is propaganda. Exactly. That's propaganda. Exactly. It's not a bad thing. You're just putting a. a it's because you're looking at propaganda. Uh, with as, yeah, the, as something that only Russians use. Not only that, it's just the the, the before the uh, information, especially of a biased or misleading nature. Before that, there's a derogatory slant to that actual. Exactly. Like, no, but it's if you're a good guy, you're not supposed to like. No, I mean? like, no, no, it's, it's propaganda. Not... It's just information, Corey. Like for example, yeah, for example, if one person, man. if one person was gonna like had their whole life planned out. They were going to go to college. They were going to go to law school. They were going to have this career ahead of them. But then, you know, they listen to this call where they're like, no, you should do this. Like you should use your life to help other people. And, you know, if you want to just go and have like a regular life, then you should change that. That's wrong. You should join the army and fight for an actual cause and make your life mean something like what the if they choose to do that to join the military or not because of that like it doesn't change the fact like one choice i understand is not, that i understand I what military propaganda is but i'm saying in this instance in this movie that that's not propaganda to me like but like it could be like for example like it could be the american troops saying join the military let's fight the nazis are you gonna say like is that bad? Like fighting the Nazis? No, because I would want to punch a Nazi in the face. Like, there's a difference between right and wrong. Like when it's so blatantly wrong. Like, yes, I don't think that saying like join the army is a bad thing. But it's that's propaganda, propaganda Corey. It's propaganda. That's that's all it is. You're you're taking the word and you're putting a negative connotation to like the those, word. Those Look, prop- early Captain America comics were propaganda. That was yes, propaganda. That, I agree with you. That's it. That this is what we're talking about. Good guys can also spin propaganda. I agree with you, but I'm not saying in this instance, in this movie, I do not consider that act of those children playing with toys is propaganda. Oh, no, we're not no, saying no. that. We're saying that how they got the, how they, how they learned of what Luke story, did, how they learned the story was through these people spouting propaganda. And then they heard these stories through the grapevines. We're not saying that. I think it's the more through the grapevines, the man. Like, I don't, don't want to. Like, See Corey's head cannons taking over the show again. That's it. It's got to be a, a, a spun in a positive light. It's got to like spread in a positive way, not in a way that's like. I just agree to disagree at this. Yeah, point. Like, I clearly like five it's never going to get, you know, fixed in this quiet like little time. So we should just move on because we have a lot more questions. Yes, we do. Um, on that note, Michelle. Oh, so anyway, um, Mike, thanks for the question. I hope I hope that <laughs> was interesting. I hope you, you enjoyed our debate. <laughs> Michelle, you want to read um, Dan's question coming up? Yes. Uh, so Dan Mills' question is, 
Hey guys, got a question for the pod. Disney content seems to be pretty heavy in the original trilogy era and beyond. Just a few nods of recognition here and there to the prequels. A trilogy once seems to be gaining a lot of affection as time with all the jedi in that era it has such potential will disney ever change their stance and pay more attention to this era and if so in what way hmm. uh, who wants this one first should i go first i never go first go first yeah you should go first all right uh, I, I guess what well, I'm not surprised none of, none of us should be surprised that Disney and Lucasfilm went really hard and heavy on the OT to start like it's the one era that everybody can agree on like no matter where they stand on the prequels or sequels we all love the OT so they squeeze that lemon for all it's worth and they still are and if you know if, if you listen to last week's show I, I still think they're going to continue squeezing that lemon for a while yet and even like a couple years ago there was a belief that there was some sort of air quotes prequel ban at Disney to start things off. And I, I think you could have made a very tenuous case for that, but we did have a couple comic book series. We had the Obi-Wan Anakin uh, series. We had dark disciple novel. Um, and then slowly the, this, the prequels have been shedding the black sheep mantle and fans who grew up on them are stepping into the fore and becoming the like probably the dominant voice in fandom. And if, if not now, then it will be very soon. Like they want prequel content more and more of it. And it's starting to come out. Like we're, we're going back to season seven in the clone wars and we're getting the Amidala book and we're getting Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan coming up. Like prequel stuff is starting to get a lot more attention. And uh, like, to, to answer Dan's question, like, yes, Disney and Lucasfilm are changing their ways. Like if, if they ever needed to change their ways rather than us just needing to be patient. And it seems like that they're covering their bases in print primarily and rebels of course, and clone wars dabbled pretty heavily in, in prequel lore, especially the clone wars. Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to get big prequel presence on the big screen anymore, but Maul being in solo was a pretty big shot across the bow. So I don't know. I, I think the prequels are still there. I don't, Again, you could make the case that they were buried for a while. I don't think they were ever very far off the uh, the back burner. It just maybe felt that way for a bit. And we just needed to be patient as as fans. Who wants to pick up on that? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Uh, go, yeah. go for it, Carlos. I was going to say I agree. Uh, I don't even know if it was like a deliberate stance to actually uh, distance themselves from the prequel trilogy as opposed to just having Rogue One and Solo and which in theory both happened before the original trilogy. So we could we could say that those are kind of prequel era. <laughs> but uh I won't be doing that for this exercise. Um yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a, like a, a an actual stance that we have to stay away as opposed to we need to tackle these things first before we work our way backward and forward let's start at the middle and work our way backwards and forwards i think that's what they're doing and i think even with the um uh, like uh, kyle just said about the uh, the novels uh, the padme novel and the uh, obi-wan and anakin stuff and uh the uh kenobi movie that's coming hashtag slash maybe not coming <laughs> like <laughs> propaganda <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> um 
yeah, I, I just I, I just think it's it's that more than than the stance or uh, you know it might just be maybe Dan. What's happening is you're looking back on it on the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney as a negative thing, and um, now you're seeing it as maybe more of a, an actual good thing. Maybe that's why you're coming to this. Or asking about this and trying to come to a conclusion. Um, either way, I think uh, I think it's good. I think they started the way they should have started. That Rogue One as the first uh, Star Wars story, uh, butting up right against Episode Four was perfect, and Solo was good as well. And I just think that moving forward, we're going to get a lot of really good stuff. So I think uh, Star Wars is in in good hands uh, with uh, with Disney. Okay, go go for it, Corey. Well, I just want to say, like, off the off the bat, like, if you really think about it, there's been no other era other than the prequel era that's had this much screen time. Like Kyle was saying, think of the Clone Wars. Like, we had six whole seasons told there with a lot of diversity, with a seventh coming. Like, it was all canceled and whatnot, but you know, it's it's had its time and it's back, which says a lot. I like what Kyle said about the age group. These people that grew up with it are going to probably want more. I don't necessarily know how much we're going to get to see on screen. Like Kyle said, we saw Maul, which is a huge like throwback to that. Maybe these new shows that are coming out from D&D and uh, John Favreau might touch upon those eras as well. Like all that, all the future stuff does has have potential to touch back on it. With the Clone Wars coming... I don't know how much more we're going to get on film, like in this area for the time being anyway, you know, like, I guess like Carlos said, Boba and possibly Obi-Wan kind of count in that time period in between, but we got uh, the Kanan story. We got Mace Windu. We got the like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan coming. Like there was all kinds in media. Like Kyle said, like all the novels that are coming. I think that's the main form for it right now, but there's been no other era that's been this vastly covered within canon at this point. So we're, we're not neglected. And a good place to start again to revive it is the Clone Wars coming back, which I think we're super stoked for. Sure. Michelle, you want to finish it up here? Yeah, I, I agree with what all of you guys are saying. And I also think that um, the one thing I think I can add is that... Um, as a reasoning why they may have started with OT um, when Disney kind of first decided to launch the live action is like from a marketing standpoint, it just makes the most sense in terms of like Disney, a lot of Disney kind of is this whole nostalgic, like you grew up with it and all this stuff. So leaning into and what Kyle said with all of the, one of the things that a lot of us can agree on is that the or is the original trilogy. And so kind of leaning into that from a marketing standpoint, like I'm sure they kind of figured out or took surveys or tested audiences or whatever to see where they would go. And then it just kind of makes sense that they would want to carve out something new. And in terms of the timeline, like the prequels lead up to the original trilogy. So like what, it just kind of makes sense that they would kind of bring it into the new era in terms of the marketing and also the storytelling. Um, 
So it just makes sense to me that why that that was kind of this jumping off point. And then through the other mediums of books and um, animation and other and comics, um, they're kind of growing this prequel. I don't know, like new prequel love, I think. And now we're all super, super excited. Like we've been starved for prequel stuff. So we've been waiting for it. And I think, you know, we have to kind of wait in order. That could be part of it too, though, Michelle. Like Part of it as well as if you don't give people the prequel content, you build the appetite for it. Yeah, exactly. Like that could be too. OT, we were waiting for so long to get, you know, the continuation of Luke and Leia. And then we got, you know, the backstory, which is amazing because we all love Vader. But, you know, in terms of like the continuation of where we go from there, like we already knew, you know, once we finished the trilogy, the prequels, we know where Vader is going next. So, you know, it kind of makes you you've been starving for that. Like what happens to Luke? What happens to Leia? Like we get the books and stuff, but not on the screen. So I think it's kind of, I really do think it's like waiting, you know, you're waiting your turn kind of. And like, I think when it's all of the, what he, what he said, what Dan said about like over time, like, you know, there's been this, it's been shedding this kind of negativity or these, you know, people are starting to kind of be able to sit with it and maybe like have a new perspective on the prequels that they may not have had when they were in it. Um, so, you know, if we haven't had it for a really long time, that's the characters. We miss them. We want to see them again. And here we get them. And we're really, really excited about it. So and, I and think they have that to do it's no work, right? There, there's no yeah. work involved in, in getting us excited for OT stuff. It's just, we're Pavlov's dog. They, you guys want this? Yeah. Whereas prequel stuff, it's a little more iffy, even though, like I said, the, the fans of that era who grew up with it. They're much more willing, but we had to work up to that point. Like, totally. The other thing is that fans who really grew up with the OT, who were in the theaters when it was out, at, at a certain point, you gotta you gotta take the last of their money before they move on to a different phase of their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're gonna move on to, I don't know, kids in college or thinking about their own retirement. They don't maybe don't want to get sucked into this whole thing just at, at that point. So let's get them now. Let's let's squeeze that sponge, that segment of fandom and and wring out the last dollars that we might get from them. And just and exactly kind of jumping off of what you're saying, Kyle, it's like this is a business. You know, it's a story that we love and we want more. But from a Disney standpoint, it's also a business and they have to make money. They bought the property for a lot of, you know, money and they need to keep making money. That's how businesses work. So, you know, they, they, they're thinking like what you said with the older people, they also need to start kind of gearing towards how are they going to usher in the new era of fans? How are they going to, create this next wave of of people who are interested in the stories who may grow up to work in film or become writers and end up wanting to work for ILM or Lucasfilm and they're going to end up being the prop makers and you know the FX artists and they're kind of building this next legacy so that it keeps the Star Wars legacy alive and a lot of people use the term Star Wars legacy now so it's I just think that it's just it makes sense from a business yeah, it made it made total sense to people me don't want to think about it in that in that 
kind of perspective, but I think it just makes sense. It makes total sense, Michelle. Like, yeah, it, this is a business and Disney's not here to make a little bit of money. They're here to max this thing out. Yeah, because they need to make money in order to make more content and justify putting more money into something. If something stops making money, then they're going to have to look for something new to kind of keep going. And oh, so don't, don't say that. Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen for Star Wars. I'm just saying that, like, that's the reasoning. So I, I totally agree with that. So there you go. Uh, Dan, thanks for the question, man. I love it. Uh, Carlos, do you want to read Adam's question? Absolutely. So uh, Adam's question for this week is, what is your favorite fan theory? Adam's Admiral Ozzel was a traitor to the Empire and a spy. And after trying to stop the invasion of Hoth and bringing the Imperial cruisers out of hyperspace too quickly, thus alerting the rebels of their attack on the rebel base, felt the death grip of Vader. I always thought that that was, uh, I always thought that and that Veers, I'm assuming that's General Veers, (laughs) perhaps was also a rebel spy. Um, The looks that they give each other is pretty good evidence of that theory, if that theory was ever a true one. As always, love and best wishes to you all and always loving the shows. Adam, thank you very much, Adam. That was very, very nice. Yeah, thank so, you, Adam. Yeah, fan theories. What uh, What do you guys got? First of all, where do we where do we stand on Admiral Ozzel being a traitor to the Empire? I think, well, they've ever since they've put Callus uh, in as a Fulcrum agent, now I think it's it, the, the door's open now. Anybody in the Empire is, is suspect of perhaps being a Fulcrum agent. I don't think so. I don't know how you work your way up. Like, how deep undercover do you have to go? And for how long do you have to go undercover to work your way up to Admiral? He was a bumbler either way. There's lots of bumblers in the Empire, but jeez. That's <laughs> so true. Like, jeez, how, like how, how you got to be so deep undercover and get the trust of, of everybody. Hell, you're, you're on, like, a, a fleet under Darth Vader's nose. Like that's also that is really after close reading Star Wars Lost Stars, like and reading the training at the academy and how hard it is and how manipulative they are. Like, how are you going through that extensive training where so many people drop out and then you get to that point and then you're just bumbling? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. He yeah. got in the first regime. I think it's a fun theory, but I, I, I don't think it holds up to much scrutiny. How can you get that high in the Empire? Just to be like trying to spare the rebels' lives. I don't know. Doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense to me? But it is fun. Uh, Corey, what have you got? Well, it's kind of interesting. Like like you'd said, like I, I don't see that being the case. But uh, you had mentioned it, Kyle. My my favorite one recently, anyhow, has been Callus was Crix Medine. Like that <laughs> wasn't the case, but I just loved it at first. You know, like when he was the fulcrum agent and turning. He saw the wrong of his ways and how he was actually being like manipulated and didn't have the full story with the propaganda and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just I thought it was I thought that was really something that was possible. Like it, growing in the lamb chops. Like he, oh, he totally changed. Like it's something they could have done. I don't really necessarily regret it. Like we know that's not the case at this point. But I thought that was a good one. And uh, good, good ones. I don't, I don't know, man. I got some really bad ones. Like every Snoke theory was really bad. Like oh god, Ezra. I like uh, the Boba Fett Snoke theory. Oh, <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh, 
Oh, they're all so <laughs> bad that it's because oh like they God. told us they gave us so many clues like okay he's definitely he's not human and this and that but people were like well, he's Ezra but Ezra's human yeah but he's got scars on his face like we talked about it endless endlessly or how about uh, Jar Jar was a Sith Lord oh Darth Jar Jar that yeah, one I just, oh my God. that had legs for a bit too it man did. Like, it did it yeah, did there are people who will go to bat for that theory. I, wow, that is that's I, that's wild stuff. I kind of liked it because even when like all the bad stuff was happening, like I don't know if you saw that vi- that YouTube video where they show like Jar Jar mouthing along to what like yeah dark the people background. are saying yeah and like just the fact that you can't nobody could be that stupid and then like he's clumsy and does this and that but then he jumps up in the air and then like perfect no splash Greg Luganis style <laughs> like no I just I, I don't know. Yeah, and then like yeah. you know the Senate and stuff with Palpatine and yeah, exactly. That. They're yeah. from the same planet as you know him and Palp him and Palps. Yeah, I mean, so. there's, there's been a lot of theories, and to be honest, like there's not very many that I like. There are some that I suppose I can get on board with, but my favorite is it's one that doesn't even rock the boat that much. I just like the idea of it that Kylo Ren lives in Vader's castle on Mustafar. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Just furthering that worship of his grandfather and that Kylo wants to kind of bathe in that same pain that that Vader put himself through. And yeah, so I, I, that's that's kind of my go-to. It's, it's nice and gentle to the overall canon of the saga. It doesn't do a lot to alter anything. It's just, it's, it's a neat tie. What about uh, Rex? Like, this is actually pretty much been confirmed now like rex in rebels is that commander on endor yeah that's been softly confirmed i think people are running with it i'm fine with that um i have one i I, it's not really like you know a theory thing theory i don't know but um, it's about how, like, they're talking about how Stor- like Chirrut Imwe and him, um, when he goes out, like, how stormtroopers, like, they don't, they never hit, like, Leia or Luke or, you know, whatever. And so, even though they're, like, supposed to be these really good warriors, and so they were talking about how um, when Chirrut Imwe in Rogue One at the end, like, says like I am one with force the force is one like and then he doesn't get hit at all and he gets to the very end and he gets to blow that up so we're talking about how um maybe like you know that's why like if you are force sensitive you are able to kind of put up a block with the blasters and so that's why they can't hit you and that's why they really suck at like aiming I I thought that was pretty funny yeah that's another one that that the the empire on the the first Death Star, they were under orders to not kill the group. Yeah, they weren't supposed to kill them because they like Vader wanted them to get away to get to Yavin so they could follow them there. Yeah, that I hmm, I have a tough time with that one. I just thought it was funny, and it was also not funny, but like it was one that wouldn't be like. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite uh, my favorite uh, fan theory is the one where. Um, Mace Windu doesn't die from the fall from uh, from the window and becomes Snoke. No, 
No, what an ass. <laughs> no, he, he's actually at the head of Red Dawn, and uh, Maul works for him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Because they were both betrayed. By Well, one was betrayed by Palpatine, the other was betrayed by Anakin. So, wow. I think that one's, that one's pretty cool. That one's pretty hot. Jeez. I just made it up, too. That's... Uh... <laughs> Hey, I'm a fan. It's a theory, all right? Yeah, you can make your own theories. What about, um, Kyle? I know you've touched upon this many times. Like, I, oh, man, it's like the most sacred place for Jedi, man. Like, where the kids, young Padawans find their crystal. Ilum, the planet Ilum is Star Killer, supposedly, which is really sad. Yeah, I'm going down with the ship on that one. And I, it's funny because uh, uh, Rob and Brad talked about that last week on on their last TSW episode and I, I wrote into Rob so you might hear my my email on their their uh, upcoming episode one that just dropped in your feed this week um yeah like if you overlay old and new maps of the Star Wars galaxy Ilum and Starkiller base its origin point line up exactly and nobody's really gone and confirmed but and if you look on Wikipedia, it it's muddy at best. But I'm I'm going with it because there's there's stuff in the Ahsoka novel that kind of alludes to it. But yeah, but I I like the theory. I like that one. That might that might be better than Kylo on Mustafar. <laughs> Are we done? I think we're pretty good. Yep. I think we beat that one around. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks again, Adam. So you can hear Adam with Andy on the Retro Inc. podcast. Be sure to check them out. New members of the Star Wars Commonwealth. Uh, Corey, you want to read Dave's question? Yeah, sorry. Give me a sec. <laughs> All right, here we go. What are the do things... with an st- Irish accent. Oh, oh, my gosh. No. No, don't do that. Right it might actually... We know we know Nothing how Dave nice. feels about bad Irish accents. Yeah, know, seriously, that's we might why lose it would him. Have been awesome. We might. I don't want to lose Dave. Yeah, I love Dave. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dave. Yes. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Uh, all right. So, what are the things in Star Wars that it's like? Just don't look too closely or think about that. Let it go. For example, why doesn't Obi Wan? Oh, come on. Just tear Grievous apart with the Force. It's all just robotic limbs. Why is it R2 had never told Luke or Leia about their parents? He knows the whole damn story and could show them his hollow. There's tons of stuff in Star Wars. What's your biggest peeves? Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's already been mentioned, right? So let's let's just get Hosnian Prime the the big the big load that comes out of Starkiller Base that splits up into six great loads and destroys <laughs> The Republic all in one shot because they all lined up perfectly for that shot for JJ to take. Uh, yeah, that. That's your biggest peeve in all of Star Wars? Oh, man, that's very, very, very close to the top. Uh, like, give me a sec there. I'll think about more. But I just wanted to get this one out of the way. That's well, my absolute favorite thing ever in Star Wars. Sorry, <laughs> don't start. <laughs> like, if James was here, he would say, like, why didn't Darth Vader... Just take the disc away from that from that rebel troop on the on uh, in Rogue One at the end. Just just sna- force snatch it and be done. 
Oh, dude, that's that's another great theory. Touching back on Adams in a way. Uh, I've heard someone saying the door didn't jam. It was Vader jamming it. Yeah. I thought that was clear. I don't know. I didn't think it was clear. As soon as he puts his red lightsaber through the guy and through the door, then the door opens because Vader has to get through it. He's the one he's the one keeping it closed. Either uh, no, way, I don't think anything's ever been confirmed, but like, you know, I thought it was when I watched it the first time, I was like, okay, Vader's not doing that. He's just killing people, you know? But if he was doing that at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's pretty rad. I mean, I, and Dave's absolutely right. Like, you could play this game all day and have the movies be done in 10 minutes. Like, not shooting the, the escape pod. Like, why wouldn't the Empire just blast that escape pod out of the sky in A New Hope? Just for fun. And then because stories practice. need obstacles, yeah. guys. Yeah, I mean, that's what, and that's what Dave's saying. Like, just, just there's some stuff you just got to let go. Like, if you get caught up in, like, for example, the physics of Star Wars, you can ruin the whole thing in the first scene. The, fir- the minute you yeah. see a lightsaber, if physics in Star Wars, if gravity in space, that if these things don't make sense to you, if, if now as an adult it's bothering you, like it, it, it's sort of weird. Like, pause for a second and go... Why am I buying lightsabers? Why am I buying sound in space as a kid? But now suddenly, bombs in space, I can't swallow that. Like, let it yeah. go. You could do oh, this see, with I virtual that, any yeah. movie. Oh my god. I have that marked down here, man. Sound in space makes for a really, really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, admittedly, the whole R2 not telling Luke does irk me a bit. And I, I haven't seen, I don't have, I haven't seen an explanation really that I go, well, oh, that makes that perfect satisfies. sense. I think I think what yeah. irks me me even more than that, and this is my number one, I guess, on this list, is kind of something touching somewhat on what Dave said, but think about just not even their relationship, but Obi-Wan's relationship. He's like, Who's this guy? I've never seen this guy before. But as I've been watching like six seasons of the Clone Wars where he knows R2 quite intimately, you know what I mean? Like the, their meetings seem so in the film like they're not just playing a role. Like that's the way you almost kind of, kind of buy it at this point. Cause there's Obi one calls him. Come here, my little friend. Ah, my little friend, like you're a droid. Like, I don't know. Like it just, and then later on, he, he doesn't say, I never, I don't know who this guy is. He goes, I don't recall ever owning a droid, which is not, he's not lying. He never owned it's, it. It's, it's, yeah. it's Obi-Wan playing fast and loose with semantics again. Exactly. Like it plays into that, but I think that's the most blatant one. Cause R2, it should be like, it's me, it's me. Don't you remember Obi Wan? And Luke would be like, what? He knows you. You know, yeah, like, like everything's some, so fresh and new. Show him some hollows aboard Grievous' ship. Hey, see, I remember I was there when you guys crash landed on board that uh, of Grievous' flagship. Like, we're buds, we're bros, we go way back. That, that's a, that's another weird one. Uh, my my top is like tangible force ghosts, like Yoda Yoda smacking Luke in the head with a stick. How dare you, Kyle? I don't like it's that. Yoda, man. But why? Like okay, I, I, another one, Obi Wan in the swamp on Dagobah in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. Like, why does he need to sit down? <laughs> You're a weightless ghost. Like, are your legs tired in the afterlife? Like, what? Why do you need to sit on the log? He's like, how Luke, are you, you tired? You need to sit with. You need to sit for this. He doesn't need to sit. He's like, chill, bro. Let's He's talk. Like, yeah, but like, wrapping Luke was in the head it, it with wasn't a stick. walk and talk. It was a sit and talk. That's fine. Obi Wan doesn't need to sit. God, it's like I took a lot of energy to to appear as a, as, as an apparition. I need to sit down. Like, give me a break. 
and whacking Luke in the head with the stick. Like, if you can be tangible after you're dead, what's the, there's, there's very little point to dying. Dude, it's Yoda. There's been no other Jedi to our knowledge that is like Yoda. Like, the guy just really gets it a lot more than anyone else. Like, it's Yoda. Come on. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. I, I ha- obviously, I've let it go. The Last Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars movies ever. And th- that meeting is so epic, too. It's a Luke great meeting. that hit. It cleared Luke's head. He was like, here, take this. Boom. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I totally get it. It's just that that one moment. I'm like, uh, tangible force ghost now. Like that that's that's the final barrier. That's you may as you may as well have just say he's he's resurrected because he he can sit on the couch with you and play video games. He could pick up your Nintendo controller and start playing with you. A ghost can't I think shouldn't do that. I think we're meant to believe that Yoda can't just do this for twenty four seven. You know what I mean? Like, I think the part of you is supposed to assume that this is a very uh, contained incident where you know he's waited what 15 20 years to to do this yeah maybe but don't you think it would have played better if yoda goes to hit him but luke backs up as if he's actually afraid that he's gonna get hit than actually getting hit yeah he's like (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't that have played better i think it would have played better you're right carlos good call i don't know but again like I, I don't want to go too negative in this because it's it's not negative. These are these are minor nitpicks on a. Hey, you're franchise. such a last Jedi hater, man. What well, noted cinematic failure? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> dude, do you know what really bothers me? People like like you said, Kylo, touching the scientific aspect of it all with gravity and whatnot. But that opening scene to the last Jedi with the bombs, like it does make sense. Like just the bombs fell, man. And they're going to continue on that same trajectory. Like, people would be like, oh, the bombs, like, how did they fall? Well, they were in gravity falling and they followed that exact same path. Well, you know what another I mean? Like, one, another one is um, the artillery from Snoke's supremacy. Like, the way that his, the artillery from that ship arcs across space, to, like, at the, at the, uh, the Radis. Yeah, it looks like a football, like a pass being. Yeah, it's got this yeah. big parabola shape to it. Like, why? Why is it arcing in space? That shouldn't be possible. Uh, it is. Who cares? <laughs> why do X-wings have their jets facing out, but why do they lift up without any type of propulsion from under? Who cares? Yeah. Why are all the planets <laughs> spherical and not flat? Because it's science. <laughs> You've got a step too far, Corey. Yeah, you, your money. <laughs> I also waters think with that like. Science. Um, with the other planets too, like when they're switching from planet to planet and they don't have like, each planet should have a different atmosphere and a different gravity. Why does Mustafar have any air at all? (laughs) There's no plant life on Mustafar. It's just burning lava and rock. Where, how is it generating oxygen to breathe? How? He's not wearing like, sure, Darth Vader had a mask, but like when Anakin first went there, he could breathe there. So like, Mm -hmm. And so did all of the, uh, the the separatist guys. They seem to have no problem. I'm sure there's AC in there. Why? Why does uh, or better, how is everyone on the ring of Kafri not puking? <laughs> I totally feel you. Like the, the way that thing was just like tumbling through the through the oh like God. what kind of what kind of gravity does that place have? Apparently the Obviously, same as everywhere else. 
Apparently, everyone has embedded like natural ability to just adjust to everything without external help. I think that's the way I want to explain away uh, Cassian Andor's mercy murder. It, it was yes. the gravity and the ring of Kofreen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a full moon at the same time. Which also, moon? Also, like, Atats, <laughs> like, you would think that, like, after all of those instances where they're like, okay, let's hit the feet, like, that's their weak spot. They would, like, change it up and, like, you know, not think to put them on those tall walkers with the weak spot. Like, why won't they fix it and make it better and so that people can't do that? I don't know. Why did Palpatine design a second Death Star after the first one got destroyed? I with know. the same flaw. Even bigger opening this time. Yeah, now, now you can get a whole squadron of ships in this hole. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, say well, yeah, how's this one? Why did the Empire land walkers beyond the energy field? Why didn't they land TIE bombers beyond the energy field, fly those much faster ships, and just bomb the hell out of the, the Echo Base? I agree. You could have just done that, because snow speeders were not going to stand up to TIE bombers. Just launch all your TIE fighters. But the TIE bombers are a lot slower than TIE fighters. Sure, but you could have had TIE fighters cover for the TIE bombers. Better than the walkers. TIE bombers just... Drop no, all I, th- the bombs. I, th- I think the armor. I think the armor of the uh, Adats made that approach more um, strategery. In the words <laughs> well, of George like, they W. Just Bush, need rope, and they just need to like go around and like trip them. Like, really? I think they needed it's to just... have a a, a twelve minute action piece, and walkers <laughs> were a much cooler way to do it than just having tie bombers I mean, yeah. fly over and just drop and all the, the load. Falls and- and get Hey-o. that big boom. <laughs> it's very exciting. You could, you could play this game all day. And it, well, it, I think one thing no that bothers me a lot. It. One thing that bothers me though, like honestly, because this is something that just serves the story in a way. And it's a continuous thing throughout the animation, the films, all that stuff. When you think about what's going on inside the ship when they're flying. Like I've just watched several episodes of Clone Wars where they're in space and Skywalker's doing some crazy maneuvers, and everyone's like, oh, hold on, oh my god. But then, you know, Han's doing crazy maneuvers in space, and everyone's just walking around without seatbelts. Then, I can get it if we're in gravity, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in a planet's atmosphere, I can well, get that, you need to be strapped in, you know? Like, yeah. like a BB-8, as an example of that. Exactly. Like, that just proves that. But then, when it serves the story, it doesn't necessarily need to be done. Like, uh, I don't know, like... To me, like, I was able to let that go till I've seen certain things, like, in space, like, to me, the Falcon is just, like, gravity is a constant. You're not seeing outside, so you just feel level no matter what you're doing. But then there's certain things that serve the story, like, oh, buckle up, you know? Yeah, again, you could just, you could just play this game literally all day long. Why don't they just do this? Or why isn't that this like that? Pulls handbrake? Yeah. Makes no sense. Even the Falcon's handbrake shouldn't be able to happen. But anyway, that was fun. <laughs> I hope that didn't come across negatively because honestly, all I have, those things, I don't I was really gonna say, care. I, I have one more. Okay, what? 3PO. <laughs> Why is 3PO? <laughs> what? Why? No, that's, that's the question. Why? 3PO. Why? Why is, why is even a thing? Why? 
I love that guy. <laughs> Scarif! What did they do about Scarif? Why doesn't anybody tell me anything? Because nobody likes you, you douche. That's why. You know what? I didn't mind 3PO in The Last Jedi, actually. Dude, he's like a happy accident. You know what I mean? I'm, I sure. feel really bad for R2 and 3PO in this movie. But they were so key in, in the original trilogy, and they've done nothing in the sequels other than let's show a hollow let's plug in a piece of a map they're they're they've, i don't say they're come, being wasted but come on we must tell the others oh my god yeah, it does kind of suck like r2 being the hero that he was like being put on the back r2. burner like that it's it's kind of rough the hero r2's r2's the spark that sparked luke skywalker to become the spark for the rebellion yes, for the galaxy what, yeah, the hollow thing yes. was like a big blow. Like that was a low blow. Luke needed Where's a few Where's R2's medal? R2 needed to spark him. Yoda needed to spark him. Ray had to spark him. It, it took a lot of work to get Luke back in gear. But you know what? Speaking, you know how how Ray always gets the label of Mary Sue. R2's a Mary Sue. R2 oh. is a Mary Sue. I will go on the record right now. When when has he ever screwed up? Uh, this is uh, this episode uh, is titled "R2 is the Mary Sue." Dude, he <laughs> no, it's not. Come on, dude, he is. Clone Wars. The guy's been blown up like multiple times, like tortured. And, exactly, you're proving my point. He's been dis- he's been smashed to pieces. Back in back at in the saddle, back to saving the day. Like, yep, yeah, that's that's Anakin being like, "We're not stopping till we find R2." You know what I mean? Like, but R2 is the, like, I I get it, like. I love that about him, man. He's like the, he's, he's almost like the Sam Wise of he's, this. He's always saga. got the plan. He's always a step ahead of everybody. He's always got the right code. He's always able to open the, that door. He, ne- he R2 never hat. fails. I love him. I love R2 too. I, again, this, this is just us messing around, but it's true. Like R2, it, it, all of his actions are completely correct. Every well, single going, time. well, then playing devil's advocate, what we discussed earlier, what Dave said about R2 not telling Luke, is mm. that would that like change your opinion on that? He's like, yeah, he might have had a higher knowledge to be like, it's not my place. Like, True. R2's, R2's R2 kind of smart has, like cognitive that. Beha- has a cognitive yep. behavioral therapist. Yeah, he's like, I'll let Obi Wan deal with this one. I'm, no, what he's doing is watching the popcorn. Let me watch this kid twist and yes. twist in the wind. You know that's what he's doing. I, out of that little he has with feelings. <laughs> anyway, Dave, maybe that was he just fun. knew that Luke had to learn it for himself. Exactly. Maybe, maybe Obi Wan learned I cannot interfere from R two. Destiny, man. <laughs> Dave, thanks for the question, man. That was a lot of fun. All right, we got one more here from Joe Nova. Carlos, you want to read Joe's question? Yes, I do. So how can we be sure of Ray's parentage? How would Ben Solo know who her parents are or were? They just finished a lightsaber battle in which Snoke is killed. He knows Ray's emotional. He's trying to elicit a response to turn her to his side. If her parents didn't matter to the story, uh, they would have dropped it. But they make it a point to give it uh, to give her the force vision of Octu and Ben uses them as a tool. Um, so Joe says, I think JJ has to make them integral to her story. What do you guys think about that? Michelle, you want this one first? Okay. Um, 
I'm going to talk about both sides of this. Uh, like, I agree that Kylo is a manipulator. I feel like people are going to hate me, but it's okay. That's just how I feel. Me too. I don't. And just because I think that way, I wrote a tweet about this. It doesn't mean that I don't respect or support that other people have a different interpretation of him. That's totally <laughs> cool. This is just my opinion on Kylo. Um, and I think like he likes, he gaslights her. So I think that like, you know, sure. Like I, I was of the opinion of like, when he said that, I was like, but can we really trust what he's saying? Like, maybe he's just spinning things the way he wants, like, I don't know, to like just manipulate her. Um, and also I would like to say, um, after Snow, after Kylo killed Snoke, I think that Kylo was also emotional. I don't think it was just Ray that was emotional. That's Absolutely. a side note. Um, Kylo is a very emotional character. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an emotional wreck. Yeah, he is. Yep. And so, like, I think it's not fair to say that you know just Ray is emotional. I think he's an emotional person, which is why he's able to kind of tap into that, like, how to kind of push people's buttons almost. And um, I do kind of. I think that the reason I get the reasoning, I get the whole point of like, why did they bring her up if they're not important? But like also considering the fact that like before they even said anything about her parents, like people have been speculating about who her parents are forever. So like maybe it was because he wanted to shut them up or maybe it is that he's just lying or manipulating or not telling the whole truth. And um, who knows? Personally, I prefer that Ray doesn't come from like prominent parents or parents that are quote someone. Um, I think it's more powerful for her story and just her as a character for her not to have this lineage that is so legendary quote. Um, I think it's a lot more powerful and universally appealing to just us as people who watch it that like, you know, you don't have to be from this huge family or this famous family or whatever. You can just have a natural talent that you tap into and it just might be destiny. I just really like that message. I, so, I love that message. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's I, the last. Uh, yeah. The last Jedi hammered that home with Broomboy. Yeah. Hammered it home. And there's, so, there's no going. There's no turning back from that message now. Yeah. I think it's the totality of the circumstances like with not just with that scene, but it's that in, in conjunction with um, Ray in the pit, you know, where she goes, she leans into the dark and she's in that mirror sequence and Luke is really upset, but it doesn't phase her really. Like, I think, you know, it kind of shows how she's like different. And um, I don't know. I just, I like that. Yeah. She's, she's not, She's not, uh, she's unlike anything we've seen before. And I think that that has this really cool beauty to it. And I, I like that she's the one that forged it herself as opposed to it exactly. was always, it was some, some mystical or powerful parent put it in her. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's yeah. definitely better. But like one, one question that Joe asked is how would Ben know, how would Ben Solo know who her parents are or were? And that one I think is pretty easily explained kylo probably pulled that info from her during one of like their first mind meld 
when he, he imprisoned her in, in uh, TFA. And he, I think he pulled that information, those images from her brain about her parents, just as she pulled his greatest fear of not living up to Vader. Like she pulled that out of him. So I, I think they know a lot about each other from these, these mind connections that they keep having. I agree. Corey, what, what's your take on this one? Well, I can kind of go other way. Like, I don't think that, like you guys are saying, like her lineage, I don't think it's necessarily something of great importance and that she's a Skywalker or the super powerful force user. I think she is her own independent uh, person, you know, that's kind of risen to meet the dark, like of her own accord. Like, I think that makes her story that much more pertinent. I think her major fear is that she was abandoned, but it would be nice in this movie possibly to learn that, yes, it was a manipulation on Kylo's part that, yes, your your parents were two ordinary people. However, you were not sold. You were stripped from. You know what I mean? Like to know that they actually do still exist can mean a lot to her. It could change the story. And it doesn't really affect the fact that she is still a nobody and didn't rise from like Skywalker lineage or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you're right, Corey. Like, I think we need to specify in Joe's question. He doesn't, I don't, I never read anything that said that Joe believes that her parents have to be important people, just that her parents have to be important to race story. And we could still get that. I mean, I tend to believe at face value what we've got, but JJ could have other ideas and maybe we still might, meet Ray's nobody parents, which is important to Ray, but they're not Kenobi's or anything. Well, I like the, you know, like you said, visions and stuff. Usually when we see that in film or anywhere, it usually means something. So again, it's, it's very pertinent to her. So, you know, it's part of her. That's why we probably saw it on film, but either way, like it, it's tough to think that her parents were like just drunkards and like, uh, like junkers, you know what I mean? Like, it could very well be the case, and I, I think it, I can go either way. It's like a 50-50 for me, but I would almost still like to know that you know her parents didn't necessarily give her away, and she was stripped from them because of her importance, kind of, you know, like, th- there's this thing, like, in The Force Awakens where that guy's like, there was a girl, one of the officers, you know, and he's like, what girl? Like, almost as if he he he's had visions already. He knows that there's something that's going to mess with him at one point in his life. And Snoke, too, almost. It's like they almost seem to know of this girl before in, she in comes. In the TFA novelization, they do. Like, it, Kylo's looking at her, I think, in the scene where he's, he's in prison to her. And he, he's like, it is you. Like, he knows of her, whether he's had visions of her a prior. Or whether they specifically know about this this girl. And I'm it's unclear. stupid because the dialogue, the dialogue in the Last Jedi, uh, has Snoke admitting that the light meeting Kylo Ren's rise was going to be Luke Skywalker, but if they both knew of the girl, why is he admitting yeah. to being wrong about? Like it's it's kind of that's so the thing. I, like, you're right. So I think we I think we can throw out that that, that piece of the novelization because that. Like you just said, Carlos, that overwrites. And the novelization was written. I guess it's hard to figure out when was Alan Dean Foster writing the novelization for TFA and when was Ryan writing 
the last Jedi? And were these two guys talking to, to one another? Or is Snoke just bringing that up before they started feeling Ray's presence? But it still it still doesn't seem pertinent in the conversation that they're having, right? No, like, there's there's a clear contradiction there. I think. Okay. Yeah. But, no, but yeah. I, I like what's going on here in the sense that, like you had said, this it looks like JJ kind of seemed to make this of an importance. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's JJ back as director. Brian still kind of left the door open, even though like Kylo said this and that. Like, he could say whatever well, he well, wants. JJ messed with us. And they messed with us in the marketing. They, they, the first thing we hear out of Ray's mouth in the marketing is "I'm no one." And she, Ray, kind of thinks that throughout. "I'm nobody. I'm just. I'm from nowhere. I'm. I'm not important." And Maz even tells her in TFA, a J.J. Abrams movie, the people you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. Do we believe Maz? Like we got that answer in 2015. Yet here we are today, still talking about Ray's parents and how they have to be somebody and. Yeah, but she says Maz also says but there's someone who can in other words there she, she's waiting for somebody to come back who's never going to come back to that to that planet specifically but there's someone who can Luke that's that's yeah. what that's what Ray says she goes Luke and then that's yeah, I know that's, yep so um yeah I, I don't know I think I think it's been pretty clear from the at least from the start Actually, that's not true. When I when I left TFA, I thought Luke was possibly her dad. But as we've gotten gone forward, and well before the Last Jedi came out, I was like, "Ah, that's this kid's nobody. She's not. She doesn't come from anybody of importance." And uh, I I started to appreciate that message of heroes arising from. Random- I appreciate it too, but then why is JJ such a douche? Why you screw us that way? That's 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 what JJ does. I know, but uh, th- you don't get any type of resolution. Guys, I'm prediction time. <laughs> Everyone's gonna hate episode nine. <laughs> Everybody's gonna hate it because there's gonna be no resolution. You think we'll still be I talking mean, about Ray's parents in uh, 2020? Um, I hope. Oh God, I I don't know, man. Seriously, like I don't mind JJ starting off uh, a trilogy. Or a series of films, but you can't give it back to the guy. Like I don't think he knows how. I don't, he doesn't know how to finish. He, he sh- people who try to be too clever make an ass of themselves eventually. Well, let's just hope that there was a bit of direction from up above saying let's let's have some resolution. Maybe I hope they use that word specifically in in talks with JJ, and let's hope that Chris Terrio has an equal say in how this movie will go. Maybe this he's is the what guy I'm, that can help bring 20 some bucks right now. 20 bucks. If anybody wants to, uh, wants to take this bet with me, you could do so on Twitter or in the tumbling saber group uh, on Facebook. Just, uh, give, uh, you know, let Kyle know that you want to jo- join the group. He's going to let you in. Uh, 20 bucks says the word resolution will actually be in the script. You think the word resolution will be in the, the script? The word res- guaranteed, guaranteed. The the word resolution will be in the script. I, I read. I'm reading JJ. Like I I I see where this is going, and I don't like it. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, every every opportunity he's gonna have to poke a hole, or not poke a hole, but just to poke the bear, 
and say, well, this is what you're seeing, but maybe this is not what's really happening. He's gonna pull he's gonna pull that. The word resolution will be in the movie. 20 bucks putting it down right now on the table. I hope so. What you hope that the word resolution is in the script? Yes. That, that means he's not gonna give it to you though. That just he's giving you the word. Says who? Carlos Says Candido? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I, Guys, I, I'm, I, look, I you know me. I'm I'm positive. I'm all freaking sunshine and rainbows. All right, everybody knows that. And I, I don't want to take this stance and and be the guy that's like gloom and doom for episode nine. Um, I was, you know, the, with the, all the news of uh, Colin Trevor being fired, and <laughs> uh, you know, then not knowing who was going to replace him. I was hoping that it would have been Ryan Johnson that was going to replace him, and then they went back to the well and got JJ. And it's like I was still riding the Last Jedi high, and. Uh, you know, I actually went out on the podcast and said that episode eight would probably, no matter what episode nine becomes, I think episode eight would would be better. And the more time passes, the more I'm believing that, and not because episode eight is is that much better than anything they can come up with, but I just I, I feel like I'm going to be let down by episode nine. I just. I, I have a I, lot of uh, I have a lot of apprehension and reservations about nine as well. We'll we'll get to that in a another a future episode. But yeah, I mean I, I I'm I'm a bit afraid. But let, let's let's re- refocus on the question here. Um, How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I don't know if I see. Kylo trying to elicit a reaction from Rey so much as he's trying to connect with her, right? Like they're they're both rejects, and they were people. They they are people with this power that were abandoned and betrayed by their families for reasons that we're not totally sure yet. And f- for Kylo, it baffles him, and he probably feels entitled to more, and he's he's trying to get this accomplice on his side. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know where to take this, but. Uh, Michelle, chime in. I haven't heard from you. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add to this? Um, not really. <laughs> I don't. Well, look, Joe, uh, Joe asked the question. Do you think JJ has to make them integral to her story? So let's just focus on that. Does he have to make them integral I to her story? I don't think he has to because I don't know. I mean... If they if they actually are no one, then like, do they really need to like talk about it again? And like, it's just like hitting the nail, like you know, it's just like banging your brain broken record. Like, if they are really no one and they don't really matter, then I don't think that they have to be addressed again. Yeah, not but, in like, a big way. Like, I I think a, yeah. a re- reuniting them would be nice, but it doesn't need to be done either. Like, well, like, do we really think? I don't really think that they would reunite. Like, I mean, there's so much story and like exactly. resolution that needs to happen in this movie. And this movie is not going to be like three hours long. Like think about how much story they need to tie up. Like they need to tie up all of these storylines. There's multiple ones and in a satisfying way, like not in a way, not like n- not everybody is going to be like happy and pleased because, you know, it's coming. 
you can't please everyone. Like we all have different opinions and everything. It's just going to end the way that, you know, JJ wants to end the story. That's just how it's going to happen. It's going to be JJ's ending. So like, you know, like, I don't really think it's that like that is so important that it needs to have like a significant portion of time in this movie because there's so many other things that are so much more like that need to be finished that like if those weren't finished then more people will be pissed off or I don't know it won't really make for I don't know it's just it doesn't make for like a satisfying conclusion if there's like all of these loose ends and like yeah exactly okay like maybe Ray's parentage is a loose end to some people, but technically they did already address it. So like exactly, if they know, if they do if, Adam now, they're just like murking the waters. Like like I yes, think, it'd be nice for her to have that a reward at the end of like yeah. I, I want her to be a, a lone wolf. She figures it all out by herself like a big girl. But at the but end, I, okay, here are your parents. But then it's like okay, well you know I it's, think it's so that it's not really important though because I feel like. For me, like, just because I have, like, a small, like, family at this point, like, I think that my, like, not just us, but, like, your friends, your tribe, like, the people you kind of join or align yourself with end up becoming your family. Like, a lot of my close friends are now family to me. And I think when she, when Ray found her place in, you know, with the rebellion, she kind of also found her family, like yes, these people absolutely. who care about her. Yes, yeah. And the whole idea is shedding the past and finding the new. So I don't really think that like, I think people do, you do outgrow people when you, when you're finding your path and you're becoming your own person. And I think if she is going to reunite with her family, it should be because to show her how far she's come and that you know, this family that she's created for herself is her true family. Like, I think if that's how they introduce them back, then I think that's really satisfying. And I think it's in keeping with the themes of the film that we've been kind of, you know, seeing in the sequel trilogy, which is like, kill the, let the past die, like, you know, move forward and find this new thing. And I think like, you know, maybe that's too literal in terms of like her family before versus her family now. But I don't think family is just blood. And I think that, you know, what the important family for Ray is the rebellion and the people that she, you know, who love her and protect her and would die for her. Mm -hmm. Like, and she would do the same for them. I think that's true family. And I don't think it's necessary to like, bring her parents into it like here's here's my prediction for nine we end ray's story with her visiting her parents grave there's the there's the resolution she pauper's grave she's won she is she has achieved her goal she has found her real family with finn and rose and poe and all these guys and she just goes to pay her respects to her parents like she could like mark a grave or something like that and and so we're going back to jaku then for sure We've heard they're going back to Jakku, and I wonder if it's if it's specifically for that reason. But okay, we well, get the impression look. that they got she got dropped off there. Maybe, yeah. I don't I, know. I don't Kylo, know. Kylo says they're they're dead. They're in a pauper's grave in Jakku, like he says it. And pretty I, much. I would like to. I, I would not say no to Ray visiting that grave when she's like she when she's fully 
stepped into her own identity and she is she is fully formed as a character for her to say okay like i've compartmentalized this i'm i can go see my parents grave i've contextualized these people within my life here's my but respect that's to her my closure parents. yeah exactly yeah. and you that's, know, it's the closing of her her path her like previous chapter in life and her opening the chapter you know the new chapter of her next life and like, she, see i i don't mind that you know and jj can do all his little jj tricks but i'll forgive him if that scene happens while nub nub is playing in the background <laughs> nub nub <laughs> yub nub <laughs> oh man did i all say right. nub nub <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> I said nub nub. I'm so cute. Jesus Christ. <laughs> On that note, I think I think, uh, I think that's tired. it. I think <laughs> I think we are uh, done with episode 142. Joe, Mr. Joe Nova, thank you for the question, man. That was a lot of fun. And thank you, sir. I'm. I'm what's the What's the bets that we're back on race parents at some point before episode nine, at least once? Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The over under over at four. I'll take the under, but I'll take the barely. I'll take, th- yeah, three. I, th- I think we're back on race parents three times. All right, guys. Thank you, all of you, for writing in questions this week. They were all amazing. You guys killed it this week. And I hope you enjoyed our, our uh, banter. And also, thank you to Rob Wade for sharing this episode once again on Emotionally14.com. And make sure you check out the Crazy Train podcast. And uh, again, then then after you're done with that, Go check out the Star Wars Commonwealth at StarWarsCommonwealth.com or on iTunes as a podcast provider. We now have the 10th podcast with Retro Inc. And uh, I'm sure no matter what it is in Star Wars that you're looking for, you will find it at the Star Wars Commonwealth. So go check it out. And uh, guys, what, what, uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Carlos. You can find me, Twitter, and Instagram at CCandidoMusic. Uh, Facebook, Carlos Candido. Uh, look for me on Patreon at Carlos Creates on Patreon. And Michelle? Um, you can find me at tediously underscore brief on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find my book blog and collections at Traveling Book Nerds on Instagram. Uh, and on Facebook, I'm Michelle Grandin. And that's it, I think. And Corey? Well, my good brother, co-hosts, fellow listeners, you all can find me at Chub Rules with a Z. And you can find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, Instagram, and come check out our private Facebook group where you just have to come knock on the door and we will let you in and you can have a whole lot of fun. It has been a very, very busy group. The people in there are, are fabulous at posting up new topics and interacting. So come check it out. We'll have a lot of fun in there. And uh, if you like this podcast and you like what we do and you want more of us, uh, you can become a powerful friend at patreon.com slash tumbling saber. And just for a couple bucks a month, you get a whole bunch of extra podcast action for your earballs. And uh, you could be like Rick, like Rick did just last week and became a powerful friend. And uh, you get access to, to those podcasts, to our prize draws, where you get uh, the Mimban Stormtroopers up for grabs this month. And mm-hmm. if if that's not in the cards, then... Uh, just just head on over to uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and leave us a review, and we'll read that here on the show, and those really help us. At, at, in the very least, they make us feel good about ourselves. And at, at, in be, at the best-case scenario, they help us get discovered more. So please do that if you enjoy this podcast. 
And otherwise, uh, we want to thank you all so much for listening to episode 142. It's been a long one, but it's been a lot of fun. And we'll check you guys out next week in episode 143. So have yourselves a great week, and we will talk soon. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Your voice is saying